Ciao. Ciao. Hey, don't hang up. This is Jello Ciao Ciao, the all Jello show. If you even think of hanging up or leaving the room for a scotch, we will murder you. Now listen, Great Creeperson and the Phantom Eric and Chris want to take you on a ride through dark alleys and bright rooms, long stairways, and backstage at the art gallery. If you want to live, you'll don your black gloves and join them for the ride. Ciao, everybody, and welcome to Jallo Chow Chow, the all Jallo show, kinda. And this is episode 38. <laughs> and tonight we have something creepy and special for you. For those of you who are interested in the creepy and special, I'm Creep, and here also is Eric and Chris. Ciao, ciao. One, two, oh, okay. I was waiting to see who was going to go first. Hi, everyone. Yeah, Hello! I don't know if we're going to lose cred tonight or gain it with this movie. Jello cred, I'm talking about. You know, the... Hmm. I, I think we'll gain a little bit and lose a little bit. Lose something else? We might gain some respect but I don't know about cred. Okay. Yeah. They're two different uh, things. True. Well. Yeah. We're trying. Well, according to the April 2014 edition of iTunes feedback reviews, we haven't gained any credit since then. <laughs> but I could be wrong. This is true. I mean, I don't know if there's another place where uh, podcasts that are, are available through iTunes uh, are reviewed, other than the actual, you know, going in, launching the iTunes application, going into the store, and then finding our podcast. Uh, we have uh, eight ratings, and I think maybe four or five reviews, but I could have sworn that there were a couple of other reviews that I heard you guys read a long time on one of the shows that I don't see iTunes. But I don't know if there's another place where there's reviews. Like if you go through the web iTunes, maybe there's reviews there that are different. Or maybe like Stitcher has reviews. I made them up, okay. I just looked in the wrong place. I made them all up. Every single one of them. You made them up? I made up all the reviews. Those are all me. Oh. I'm sorry. Yeah, uh, it's okay. Thought it was helping us out. 
You were. So tonight, um, in honor of the American dream, Dusty Rhodes, we are going to be doing not an Italian film, but an American film. Oh yeah, Daddy, we're talking about The Bat tonight with Vincent Price. He's funky like a I'm monkey. Hoping that the, <laughs> I'm hoping that the uh, connection between these two things ends with just this mention. Or we're not well, or, all or, night. Or will we will we be quoting Dusty Rhodes all night we're long? We're riding that train well, all night long, Daddy. <laughs> <laughs> if there's one thing I've always wanted, it's more head. So... Um, That's true. We got that. Yes. Yeah. That's really disgusting. Creep. You're double entendre. Yeah, that was a bewitched joke. (laughs) How dare you say that about Endora? (laughs) So that's going to be happening a little later. And by a little later, I mean in probably four minutes. (laughs) But until then... Um, this is Jallo Chow Chow. The all Jallo Chow. Are we starting over? And on with our feature presentation. (laughs) So. Well, I for one like to say that I am continuing to read um, Richard Glenn Schmidt's book, Jallo Meltdown. Uh, It's very fun. Um... It's become a bathroom book for me, and I know that Richard is not offended by that for any reason. Um, it's great to just go into the bathroom, and if you have a need to sit for longer than a few seconds, and to reach behind you and grab your balls, the book. <laughs> I was waiting for that one. Uh, grab the book and just what I usually do is I just kind of randomly jump to a page and read um, a review of a film and I usually find one that that is a film that I've seen already but again um, I know we talked about Richard's book last time but he does not give away uh, the killer's identity in any of these so you can read the whole book without having any ruined for you um, but knowing, go ahead. I'm sorry. No. What, what did you say, Creed? I said, or without wiping. Or without, yes. Yes, that's true. So, um, but I, I found the introduction to be pretty extra hilarious and and uh, very creatively written. So I wanted to read it um, just to give Richard another plug on his book and um, fill up some time in the podcast. Uh, uh, at the same time because uh, I have a feeling that that will be flying fast and free so uh, the introduction to Richard's book Jalo Meltdown says I like to pretend that there is a tiny little country filled with both tacky ultra modern and beautiful classic architecture existing alongside one another in equal measure lit in garish sometimes psychedelic color lights at all times its population is made up of three types of people, for women, red herrings, and killers. On every street corner, in every cruddy apartment, mansion, lunatic asylum, run-down theater, or castle, 
someone is being killed with a straight razor, a knife, an axe, a meat cleaver, a garrote. Is that how you say that? G-A-R-R-O-T-E? Garrote? Garrote? Anybody? Ow. All sound good. Uh, or a shallow bathtub. Everyone starts out more or less happy in this little country. Each citizen is issued oversized sunglasses and bottles of J&B Scotch whiskey. But then they inherit a fortune, spurn the advances of a psychotic lesbian, or witness a terrible crime. This is when their slick polyester duds become stained with fluorescent and impossibly red blood. Priests, hookers, wealthy jet-setters, artists, musicians, police detectives, hobos, hippies, blackmailers, and especially fashion models are all dropping like flies while a million black-glove murderers are working around the clock making sure that the murders never, ever stop. And there you have it, ladies and gentlemen. That's that really is good. The first paragraph from Richard's book, um, he goes on in the introduction to then talk about what brought him to the Jalo movement and his background as a horror aficionado. And uh, so anyway, I thought that was really cool. Um, nice little way of kind of quickly defining the entire archetype um, of the of the film of the of, of this of this film type um, kind of in a narrative sort of fashion so, um, and last but not least I wanted to say I'm very glad that uh, next week we're moving on to uh, films that I have already scored on my website because um, I know that we talked about how much how once I get to 50 entries on the site um, I would like to add some interesting kind of uh, aggregate data and graphs and other types of reporting that's just really I think it will be fun to look at so I need some time to work on all that and not having to score uh, two films for the next um, month will help me with that so anyway um, our featured presentation tonight is on the website I finished it in uh, I, I quickly put together a review so it's not very long and it's not proofed and um, I apologize uh, ahead of time but I always like to have film that we're going to do uh, if it's not already on the site I'd like to have it um, published in time for us to record our podcast. So it's out there. Riddled so with errors. Well, I read Riddled it. Riddled with errors, yeah. Yeah, I, I, I read it and I thought it was pretty accurate and I enjoyed, enjoyed it thoroughly. Just like I enjoyed your reading of Yellow Meltdown. And I think if I saw that introduction in a bookstore or something, I would definitely pick that book up. So well done, Richard. And well Very done, Chris. So. Yeah, I, I often wonder if it would be cool if that introduction was actually on the back cover instead of um, the introduction that was, well, I, something was written for the back cover, and I think it's like a third-person description of the book, um, as opposed to Richard's own writing, but I, it, I think maybe it would be cool on another edition, if he does another edition, to put that first paragraph um, on the back, although... You know, the problem is you don't like to, as an author, I know you don't want to repeat yourself too often. A lot of times what happens with me is for the website, I'll write like a tiny little blurb about the 
um, film that I'm reviewing. And then I try not to write it too good because I don't want it to be better than what's in the full write-up <laughs> in the uh, in the article of the web of the of the of the film. So we, anyway, you'd have to ask sense. Creep about how he writes the descriptions on the backs of his his books, even though they're mostly internet books. Um, those are called ebooks, sir. <laughs> here in 2015, <laughs> and. Um, that is uh, called either a book blurb or sales copy. Mm-hmm. And yes, we do like to repeat ourselves all the time. <laughs> you got to pad that word count. You got to. Especially with the new Kindle Unlimited thing no. that they sent out today, no. which you guys don't even want to hear about. Yeah. Good effing lord. We'll, we'll wait for our podcast for <clears throat> Yeah, definitely. Or it's going to be a barn burner. Yeah. <laughs> so, the bat. <laughs> Does this bat oh, whisper? Does this bat strike? Does this bat man? Well, Eric is here to tell us all about it. Oh, boy. It, it does none of those things. Does this bat choke? It will uh, give people cold feet tonight, though. Ooh. And when it flies, someone dies. <gasps> so those are, those are a couple things on the taglines. But yes, The Bat from 1959, our earliest film to date. And uh, we possibly will go back further. We'll see in the future. But for now, this is about it. Um, but this film starring Vincent Price. I won't do my... <laughs> I won't do that. Peter Laurie. Peter Laurie impression again. But... <laughs> Uh, Agnes Moorhead as well as we established and uh, a couple other folks uh, but it, it's a pretty well known story as Creep mentioned the Bat Whispers from 1930 was also done on this it was a play I believe written in 1920 and then it was adapted for the screen a couple times uh, in the silent era as well as the burgeoning sound era and if I could just actually talk about the Bat Whispers for a few moments if you guys will indulge me Sure. Um, I well, I covered the film way back when in, in uh, my other show, 100 Years of Horror, when it was released in 1930. So it was one of the first episodes I did, and uh, I just found it to be this really bizarrely shot story, uh, mostly because it was told at the nascent age of this sound and horror, and uh, golden age of horror, I should say, um, when it was first coming out of the German expressionist way of showing shadows and movements uh, on the other side of screens and windows and things like that. So we've got a lot of a lot of uh, crazy visuals in this film, and it's also got a lot of odd behavior and reactions by the characters. So it's just a really strange film. Uh, there's very little music, so everything is kind of done in this with this quiet tension building up. Uh, the the mansion in this film, uh, the Bat Whispers, it really. Uh, it makes no sense as to its floor plan, uh, but I don't find that as like a technical fault of the film. I find it as this really um, creepy, eerie aspect of it. And uh, I just, I mean, it's legendary because it, it's known as being the inspiration for the Batman. And it's really kind of easy to see why, just because the Bat in uh, that 1930 film, he's not really a vigilante, but he kind of acts on his own volition and uses his uh, his persona and his 
character and his outfit to really challenge uh, and scare the other criminals in the criminal society. So it's just it's one of my favorite films that I ever covered. It's still one of my favorite films to this day that I uh, I still watch almost every Halloween. And so when we were about to cover it here on the show, I had a little bit of trepidation, and I wrote on the Facebook page that it was one of the, it's the only film after I don't know what is this 38, 39 films. Uh, that we've covered that I knew the killer going in. I knew the plot going in. Um, Don't Torture a Duckling, I guess, will be the next one. <laughs> that I, The only other one that I've already seen. So it was a kind of a different experience for me watching this film. But uh, I guess to to summarize the story a little bit, it's about this, uh, this writer, Cornelia Van Gorder, who wants to hide away to write her next book. And so she rents this old country house called The Oaks. She wants to be away from society. But what she doesn't realize, or what she doesn't know right away, is that it was a scene for some murders uh, by a strange and violent criminal known as the Bat. Uh, She's remained there with her housekeeper, one of the most annoying characters in all of film, in this version at least, Lizzie Allen. Everyone else has gone away because they're too scared to stick around in this house. Uh, and meanwhile, on the other edge of town, the house's owner, also bank president John Fleming, has recently embezzled $1 million in securities, and he has hidden the proceeds within the house. But he is killed before he can retrieve the money. Thus, the lonely country house soon becomes the site of many mysterious and dangerous activities. Written by Snow Leopard on IMDb. So thank you, Snow. All right. Hey, Snow. Yeah, that's basically the plot in a nutshell. Vincent Price shoots a motherfucker and wants to get away with the cash, and he runs into a, another group of people that all found out about the cash and know about it, and including the bat. So he's got to put up with these, these people within the house. And it's one of those old dark house mysteries that they're trying to re reimagine here in 1959 but uh, to me it just too talky too much you know Moorhead Moorhead yeah exactly going back and forth with all these people not enough action suspense going on really I know I'm getting ahead of myself but it's get more ahead of yourself I'm getting way more ahead of myself than I should be right now but well I yeah it's uh like I said, I had some trepidation coming into this one, and it was unfortunately a little bit founded. The uh, the earlier versions done by Roland West, um, I would recommend going to check out if you really enjoy this story. Of course, it does have Vincent Price in it, so it has that. And he forward. is awesome. He is awesome in this. He's always awesome. Damn that man! What a man, right? Man. Yeah. What a man! What a man! What a man! So what I want to know from you guys is, let me think of a question so we can keep this conversation going. (laughs) What did you think about two hunks like Vincent Price and John Fleming hanging out together alone in 1959? How do you think that was viewed? Pretty manly. Yeah. Were they in a hunting shack? Anytime you have to take a 20-mile canoe trip to be alone with another man, 
back then was manly. <laughs> you did have that nice yeah, flannel. Thing away from the wives. But who started the fire? We didn't. Billy Joel yeah. didn't. It? That's a good question, actually. <laughs> I didn't think about that. <laughs> Billy Joel didn't. Just <laughs> like that one. That was pretty good. Great. I like that a lot. <laughs> yeah, thanks, thanks, thanks. <laughs> was it Sam, the tour guide? It could have been. I mean, it could have been any any kind of an accomplice to this. I guess I really just I don't know. I didn't think that that much into it. Um, but would the lieutenant have enough time to take a twenty mile canoe ride both ways? Or are we spoiling it? Okay, yeah. The lieutenant. Well, I don't know. Shit. <laughs> he he was. I mean, he was a he was going all over the place. He was getting around the bat. Yeah. I should say. I mean, he was knocking, he was killing Vincent Price in his lab, and then he had to go all the way back to the mansion to do some work. Creep, creep, you don't have to apologize for spoiling the bat, because this is an old movie, and it's even older when you think about how the play itself was written in 1920, so I don't, I'm not going to feel that bad about it. It was the lieutenant. Well, yeah. It was the lieutenant. <laughs> and it and wasn't even that hard. Known it was the lieutenant as soon as that super hot chick said he's one of the most respected men in the community. Yes. <laughs> yes. I also really love the part where um, her husband, the bank guy, he's like, come here, I got to tell you something. And then they walked into his little office that's only separated from the rest of the room by like a two foot gate. <laughs> and he's like, like, okay, now that we're alone, all the money's gone. Like, that was awesome. <laughs> <laughs> but um, I enjoyed seeing ashtrays in the bank. That brought back some lovely memories. Sure. And um, Miss Moorhead's car was luscious. I enjoyed that quite a bit. Now, being a fellow author, do you have a car similar to that, other than your your current car? Do I have a Coxor Ware? Yeah. <laughs> or where else would it be? What did you say? <laughs> oh my god! Do I have a what? Uh... Do you have a car like that, uh, like Agnes Moorhead? Um, if you mean a Honda Element, then yes, I do, sir. <laughs> and it is lovely. Is that a 59 Element? Yeah. Nice. It's a 59 Element. It's pretty It's pretty pimp. Um, this movie did... Let's get back on track here. I'll try. Mm. Um, this movie did have quite a few red herrings. Um, particularly, um, Vincent Price, considering he killed the guy who stole the money and he was doing experiments on bats and then had a rather suspicious statue of a bat in a glass case behind a curtain. I hated that whole rabid bat storyline. Are that... we still here? Are we? Batty. I'm still here. I hear you. Okay. Holy shit. Um, 
but yeah, the the whole bat thing and Vincent Price was very much on the nose. It was very fifties. I can't remember another movie that pointed so hard in someone's direction, and then it wasn't him. That's true. Can you think of a movie that pointed that hard? And then it wasn't. He them. shot a motherfucker at the beginning of the movie. Even though he said, anything short of murder, he's too messy. So he was a liar. Yes. <laughs> yeah. But there were some good little lines, like when him and the lieutenant step outside of the house, and he's like, Well, are you sure the bat's not in the house? And he's like, I am now. There were there were great little jabs back and forth yeah between those guys um i i i liked it and in the beginning i really liked lizzie and i know you didn't but i thought she was just amazing and that first scene where she comes out and explains everything this is that was another thing about this movie that i really liked it's like Hey, fuck character development. I'm going to tell you the plot within the first 30 seconds of this movie, and you're going to fucking like it. That was fine, but it was just way too matter-of-fact, like going back to the cabin between uh, Dr. Malcolm Wells, Vincent Price's character, and and the banker Fleming. They just spilled everything, right? Like, no one talks. Like I mean, you could tell that uh, the director and the writer of this, uh, the, the same guy, Crane Wilbur, was... Uh, I read his credits, and he was a playwright for a really long time. And this just comes off as, as a play, and that includes Lizzie's character when she's kind of going around saying, "Oh, it's just the window. Oh, it's just the door slamming. You know, don't be afraid." It just was such like a, a stage play <laughs> on film. I got bit by that. <laughs> yeah. Um, <laughs> that. That did happen to me, though, not getting bit by a bat, but um, as you were saying about um, Vincent Price and Mr. Fleming at the cabin, um, my daughter was running around talking about something, and I missed probably about six seconds of dialogue, and in that six seconds, he blurted out, oh yeah, by the way, I embezzled a million dollars, would you like (laughs) half of it? And so, like... They, they were talking. I'm like, what the fuck did just happened? Like, what did I miss? And so I had to rewind. But, You're like, um, this escalated yeah, quickly. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that was, the, that was the interesting thing about it. You know, there wasn't a lot of action. I thought that the film um, didn't have enough suspense scenes. I thought that um, the, the film tried to do too many things. Like, it tried to be kind of tongue-in-cheek and black comedy and suspenseful and um, murder mystery all at the same time um, and horror movie, haunted house horror movie. Um, but I also found it interesting that they um, <clears throat> that they uh, didn't they, that they started off right away with this interesting kind of escalation of these characters, you know, it, uh, we're we're kind of used to in the Jalo world, um, the slow establishment of the characters and some of the secrets that they have. But in this particular movie, it's like within the first five minutes, okay, um, the one guy 
uh, already confesses to the robbery. And meanwhile, while he's confessing to the robbery, his partner or friend or whoever uh, decides, you know what, I'm just going to shoot him and take all the money instead. You know? So it was uh, interesting in that regard. There wasn't a whole lot of motive for Vincent Price's character to do that, but at the same time, I think the other guy was about to kill him, so he was like, eh, fuck it. Right. Yeah, he he wanted to get the upper hand, and he surely did. (laughs) With that shotgun. (laughs) Did they ever (laughs) use a shotgun in a Giallo movie? I don't know. I don't think so. I don't think so. I liked it. But yeah, Dr. Wells, I don't know. Wells, He's yeah. definitely the, the cornerstone of this film, obviously, with Vincent Price, big name. But so that I think that contributed to the to the factor you were talking about, how they pointed so much at him. And then he ended up not being the killer, and it was a secondary character. Uh, and Do you think he was also dressing up like the bat and going into the house? That could be. I mean, he could... Uh, I don't know. Because he had a dark coat and a dark hat on his coat rack. Yeah. He just didn't have the clawed fingers. I'm sure that was put there for... And and the other thing that I thought was cool was when they they had the scene where um, the bat is in the doctor's office. Um, because in the beginning of the scene, you just see the bat inside the office, and you're like, well, clearly it's Vincent Price. He hasn't taken his uh, costume off yet. Yeah. But it's not. It's. Uh... I was shocked as shit when he got shot. Yes. I still don't understand exactly how the bullet hit him with the gun pointing in the opposite direction, but it was shocking. It was a trick of the light. Yes, it was a ricochet. Um, One of the things that I did really like, too, was when um, there was this shot where she was coming down the stairs or someone was coming down the stairs and you see the cop asleep in the far room and you assume that it's I want to say Lieutenant Dan, but that's not his name. (laughs) Um, (laughs) What's his name? Lieutenant Baldy McKillerson? Yes. Um, okay. You're led to believe that that's who that is. And then later when um, Lizzie Borden comes down the stairs and she goes in there and she like wakes him up, it's like a cop who's never been seen at all in the movie right? yet. And you're like, holy shit, that, that's not him. I thought it was the butler. Well, the butler, I think, was the one who ran down the stairs and left. And that was another little thing that was a neat little, like, hey, your name's not even Rory Calhoun. It's Stick 'em Up Charlie from Chicago. Uh-huh. You know, like, <laughs> he's that. like, yeah, see, you're not going to get me on this one, copper. Like, yeah. that little bit was kind of cool. And Agnes Moorhead was like, <gasps> the butler did it. Yeah. I always wanted to shout that. Yeah, it was pretty cool. So, like, those little parts were neat. Um, for all the girl-on-girl bedroom stuff, nothing happened. <laughs> no sister of Ursula. 69, yeah. So what are you going to do? Mm-hmm. Um, but it's just like, and I know that the cliches might not have been so tired, but she's like, I'm coming with you. I'm not staying in here by myself. 
and then she's like, I'm going to go up these stairs. Now you wait here in this dark hallway by yourself. She's like, no. And she's like, listen, you got to stay here and tell me if someone's coming. And then the chick's like, oh, yeah, that makes perfect fucking sense. And then goes up the stairs. And I'm just thinking, like, you're on a balcony. If someone's coming at you, like, you're not going to be able to fucking say shit before you're thrown off that fucking balcony. And um, since she was the only one who could finger Fleming, and mm. Vincent Price knew that, that was another big pointer that it was Vincent Price. And then um, Moorhead threw a stick at him and hurt him or something like that. And then when Vincent Price showed up, he's like, the wheel fell off my car. And the cop's like, but you're bleeding on the back of your head. I told you I was in an accident. Yeah. <laughs> and unless they were watching Arrested Development and they somehow had a boulder in the back seat, I don't know how you would have got injured on the back of your head if the tire fell off your car. Well, it's, it's a, it'll jostle you a little bit when the tire falls off, doesn't it? Yeah, I guess it could. I guess he like kind of whapped his head on yeah. the... But it was, like, under his ear. He would have had to tilt his head like a lunatic. Well, well inc- whatever. Innocent until proven guilty. Yeah. And in this case, he was innocent till proven dead. I like that. Yeah, that should be a name of a shitty book. <laughs> I was I was kind of surprised at how helpless... Well, not surprised. I mean, it is 1959, but the, the women in this film... Uh, after seeing all these jelly films where the women are usually I mean they're usually damsels in distress but they're also pretty strong characters and in this one they're they fight back a little bit there's a little bit but then they kind of get punished for it and yeah more hit that gun yeah I don't know they they get told to hide behind locked doors and don't come out and all this and keep your nightgowns on I just don't the thing I don't understand is why did anybody stay in the house to begin with Exactly, because like those chicks were from town. It's yeah. not like they lived like miles and miles away. They were like down the street. Well, they never mentioned it, but right. I assumed it was to keep the bat in the area so they could catch him. I don't know. It seems kind of far fetched, but maybe it's because Jessica Fletcher was famous uh-huh. and they wanted to hang out with her. I think so. Yeah. But why would she even stay? Somebody gets two people get murdered. And it's like, well, I'm not going to rent this house anymore. I'm out of here. Yeah. Well, yeah. she's a strong-willed woman. Yeah. No bat's I mean, like, going to tell her where to fucking live. She's a mystery yes, writer. She is. wants to solve the mystery. The greatest mystery right. of all. And, and listen, that that goes a long way with me because it got her some serious... Um, the film got some serious points for the fact that, you know, up until the point where... You know, it was just the police that were trying to figure out who the bat was. Then, you know, we shift in the middle of the movie, or maybe more than the middle, maybe an hour in, maybe more, where she starts talking about how she waited for everybody else to go to bed, and then she started creeping around to look for the bat or to look for whatever the bat was looking for. Which was Um, so fucking stupid. (laughs) She fucking goes in that vault thing. And she's in there for about three minutes, and she's like, <gasps> "Oh yeah, oh, that's <laughs> true. I can't." The worst. 
and then as soon as it opens, the guy's like, oh, there's a fucking switch right here. <laughs> it opens this door, too. The <laughs> helpless <laughs> woman. But I have a gun. I don't know. That part was a little iffy for me. But then she's like telling the cop how they're going to catch him. Now we're going to turn out that light. We're not going anywhere. Yeah. Fucking Agnes Moorhead and no motherfuckers. So let me ask you this question. <laughs> the bat that killed the people in the winter, that was a completely different bat, correct? That was like an actual psychotic lunatic who was trying to kill people. And then the bat from the bat movie was a copycat who was trying to pin it on them. Like, to make it look like it was just the bat? Is that how that worked? Well, they never... Did they ever explain it that way, or are you just supposed to assume that that's what happened? I, You know, I didn't assume that at all, because it was... In the original, it was always the same the same character. Uh, in this one, I could kind of see that, because it, it's like he wants to strike fear in them so that it'll be easier for him to slip in and get that hidden money, wherever it is. Kind of play off that urban legend in the area. Uh, but yeah, it's never really yeah, expressly I mean, explained like that. I really like that premise, though. That's really cool. And it certainly, again, lends itself to um, the way that the giallo uh, works as well. Um, because, you know, you have the amateur detective. That's one thing. You have um, this idea that, you know, you've got a completely sane character who decides that he's going to murder people using the same kind of motif as some psycho sex killer in order to bump off his wife or whoever um, in an effort to um, get, you know, to to get whatever gains he's looking for, but then, you know, use the, um, the killer's uh, um, methods to kind of just, you know, take the suspicion away from him kind of thing. I mean, that's something that they do in the Giallo um, a lot. Yeah. So, if that's really what happened, that's kind of cool. So. Now, does Agnes Moorhead's character get more points because she was a writer, like an artist of some kind? Um, that's a good question. Um, does she get more points because she's an artist? I, I don't know. Like, there's a... There is a one-point signature section... Um, for art uh, modeling uh, I forget what else um, and I didn't give the points to that but I mean because she's a writer it, I don't know I mean writers aren't really artists are they uh, I'm just kidding yeah I'm just kidding just kidding just kidding just kidding because that's your tenembrae and bird with the crystal plumage right there for you right but Bird with the Crystal Plumage had an art gallery, so that's where the points they got the points for that one. So, uh, but anyway, okay. 
You better watch out. You're out, you're outnumbered by a couple of established published authors right here. <laughs> Me and Butt Douglas are going to go wild on your booty. Well, the question is, what constitutes being published? I'm published. Hey. I have a book <laughs> on, on Amazon dinner. for sale. <laughs> <laughs> but seriously... Um, no Richard Glenn know. Schmidt. Exactly. True enough. But I, I think that um, that's just another one of those fun little staples. What did you guys think about the thing where she's narrating at the beginning and then like three quarters of the way through it cuts to her reciting because she's too fucking cool to use a typewriter to the hot chick who is like pretending to write words down. Right. And then it cuts back to the story, and then at the end it cuts back to her. Did you guys like that whole little scheme? I mean, it was kind of well, charming. It made it, dif- it made it difficult to figure out where the timeline was. Exactly. Like, what part were we were we watching the story being told back to us, or were we watching the present of you know present events going on? But it was an interesting thing the idea of the flashback um maybe we can give some points for that i didn't even think of it well i think she probably embellished a little bit well since we were watching a flashback as told from an author's point of view as published authors we both would do the same thing I would. Yeah. I would always look glamorous with my 12-foot ponytail when I get up in the middle of the night. Uh-huh. Yeah. That's why whenever my <laughs> wife catches me in a lie, I say, I'm sorry, honey, I'm, I'm a published author. She's going to have to put up with. <laughs> I like to embellish. I need to, I need to make money. Yep. And then that, that ending... Because the lesson learned here is you can't hide murder. No. <laughs> you can't. That's right. The end. But then you stretch, yawn, throw a ball up in the air a little bit, and then go, but that's the end. <laughs> that was really corny. <laughs> it's all just a yeah, it's a, it's a signature of its time. Which, like I said, is a little it's a little charming, but at the same time really makes you appreciate the differences across cultures when it comes to these movies. Uh, if I'm going to watch a murder mystery, maybe I'd like to tone down the corniness and watch more of the glitz and glamour Slow of the down. Italian. Slow down. I'm sorry. Am I Skyping out again? Skype can't handle you. Slow down. <laughs> I'm just saying, it's if I'm going to be watching a murder mystery... Just take a deep breath. Blow it out. I don't need to see any more of these Agatha Agatha Christie bullshit. I'm going to head over to Italy with the yellow-bound Mondadori books for my murder and my sleaze. Did you hear all that? (laughs) Oh, you don't know what hard times are, Daddy. No, I don't know wow. any of it. Go back. Go back? It's not important. Okay. 
I think Agnes Moorhead was a little tough, and I think she would try to fight me. Even at the ripe old age of 59 or however old she is in this? Yeah, she she still looked a little rough around the edges. Yeah. A little a little butchy in the loafers. She she looked like one of those just old golden age queens of the cinema who was a few years past her prime. Some Betty Davis and Baby Jane action going on there. Oh yeah. So yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, the the only word that could describe this episode is riveting. Oh man. So I I did enjoy going back to the olden times when the sky was black and white. Mhm. Yes. So, so this was a pleasurable experience for me. I agree. But like right. I was... And you know, I don't, I don't spend a lot of time um, watching uh, this era of horror movie. But I, it made me want to watch um, House on Haunted Hill again because <laughs> I don't know why I've got these two films uh, hooked together. But I have a DVD in there. Like House on Haunted Hill is on one side of the DVD, and um, the Bat is on the other side of the DVD, so I kind of always group them together, and House yeah. on Haunted Hill is such a great film. Yeah, it is. Uh, it's it's corny to a certain extent, yeah. as much as um, the bad is, but there's something about... Um, there's a spookiness uh, in House on Haunted Hill that is not in this film. And there's, you know, this, this, I don't know if you guys know that. I mean, if you remember the scene where one of the characters is walking around in the hidden chamber and the old woman pops out from the right side so of the screen. So scary, dude. Yeah. Scared that's the hell out of me. Shit out of me. And it's like terrifying. And that's one of, another reason why elderly people frighten the goddamn <laughs> shit out of me. They terrify me. Seriously. Yeah, I mean, this is his Vincent Price in his prime. Um, the Tingler, Thirteen Ghosts, all those are around this this short little era. So, uh, yeah, check those. Definitely say check those out. Um, but if you are into this story, I think the best telling of it, like I mentioned at the beginning, is the Bat Whispers, and it's I'm pretty sure pretty available out there on the internet because it is such a moldy oldie that those are usually more readily available. I think I'm going to watch it. I think you should. You'll probably hate it and tell me what was I thinking. But that's okay. <laughs> well, you do, you do like that, Dean Ambrose. You do that to us all the time, Eric. So <laughs> that's true. Turnabout's What fair. were you guys thinking? Making me watch this piece of shit movie. Well, what? Sister of Ursula. Oh, I loved that movie. <laughs> yeah. Right. I, think I, I noticed that there might be some sort of Blu-ray edition of that movie out now. Did I see that right? Yes, I will. I mean, everyone wants that in high def, don't they? I do. Well. <laughs> it's like you're really there. <laughs> yeah, you really want to be there. All right. 
taste the ass. It's yeah. Like, it's in smell-o-vision. <laughs> uh, so, uh, the, the poll we had up on the site um, had the three movies on it that we picked and you guys voted on. And I'm pretty sure it hasn't changed since earlier today. I'm pretty Would sure it hasn't like changed that? since the first day it was put out. Okay. So, with that said... Our feature presentation next week is going to be... Chris, why don't you tell us? It's going to be um, finding a new uh, way to communicate with each other and also a film known as Don't Torture a Duckling. I'm glad you said it because I almost said the duck whispers like five times. <laughs> <laughs> When the duck flies, you die. And then after that, the week following, we'll be doing Seven Blood-Stained Orchids. Nice. Followed by Eric's pick. Don't remind me. (laughs) Oh, you want me to say it? Don't remind me. Starring Jerkoff Yakowitz. (laughs) That one's also in Smell-O-Vision. No, it's a so, strange color of your body's tears. And I've been wanting to see that, so I'm excited. That was my excuse, too. I'm going to inflict it on everyone else, even though I'm starting to hear the mumbles and the murmurs of it not being so hot of a movie, at least story-wise. Well, as long as it's better than that Barbarian Sound Studio crap, <laughs> I'll be happy. Yeah, it was between those two, so everyone should be happy. Ugh. Good lord, that movie was rough and painful. Uh-huh. Now there's like six people out there going, you stupid motherfucker, you have no taste. Well, there was another film, and I don't even remember the name of it now, that somebody on the on the group recommended. Um, it was kind of like a Neo Giallo. Is it the one with one word title? It's like a one word title. Yeah, maybe it is. It's an Italian thing. Like Amir and or something? Maybe. Amir? All I, all I hear is no, 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 not a mare. I know, um, I know that one. Um, not a mare. Now I can't even remember what it was. The strange but, tears of your color's body. <laughs> I um, I watched this film. It um, all it was was nonstop set pieces, like. They, they, they have like the the killer with the black glove, and they spent ten minutes just kind of doing like macro close-ups of the glove and the hand and and the hat and the walking and the and the glove again, and then they spent some more time on um, you know the fetishistic kind of stuff, like from Deep Red, where the uh, you know the the little doll and the, the 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 ball of yarn with the needles in it is all up close, and I got like forty five minutes in and I'm like no one said a word. I mean this isn't a giallo; it's just kind of a um, thematic kind of mood piece, basically. Yeah. Um, it doesn't have characters. It doesn't have a plot. I mean, you know, you can say that the giallos. 
that we typically watch from that time period like don't make much sense, but they try to make sense. Whereas these films, they're just mood pieces and they specifically are more avant-garde. And there's nothing wrong with that. It's just that, you know, watching it and thinking that it's a giallo is, you know, kind of Basically, if you're watching a new film that is called a neo-giallo movie and you can't picture Jessica Fletcher doing Murder, She Wrote in it, it's not a giallo. Right. That's what I'm going to say. Yeah. It has to pass the Murder, She Wrote test. Right. And then once it passes that test, it has to pass the Sister of Ursula test of awesomeness. Well, can't you combine the two and just say, like, Jessica Fletcher in Sister of Ursula? (laughs) What's the Sister of Ursula test of awesomeness? If you don't know, I'm not going to tell you. (laughs) (laughs) All right, you got me there. Yeah, so if the movie doesn't have those two things, it's basically just some, what's the word I'm looking for here? pretentious piece of shit Mm -hmm. (laughs) oh boy I'm gonna make some enemies here but that's why I'm here you two could be the voices of reason I'll be the asshole I'm tending to agree with you but just not as aggressively like I just feel as if I don't know um I don't know there's an audience (laughs) for people that like to watch others masturbate on screen it's okay yeah whether it's figurative or literal. No. Just literal? <laughs> <laughs> no, I swear to God, like, if I'm going to watch some dirty, gurdy stuff, I just watch some dirty, gurdy stuff. Oh, sure. With, with no plot or nothing, just straight scenes, if you know what I'm saying. I do. So when, when I'm um, slipping in my jally... I'm looking for a little bit more, a little more substance uh-huh. than most of the neo jalo that I have laid my eyeballs upon. Mm-hmm. Okay. But that's just me talking. I'm also the same jackass that put Umberto Lindsay really high on my top five of the big five, and nobody else did. <laughs> Uh, and that's fine that's what makes you who you are and makes you the man we love oh we all love each other it's true so is this episode 26 minutes yet I think we're good I think once we patch it all together alright and it (laughs) I'll leave that one alone You know what? You should leave it all in so people that complain about our sound quality can hear what we really have to put up with. Do people complain about our sound quality? Yeah, I wouldn't call it complaining, but maybe some remarks on how to make it better. Maybe it's your fucking earbuds, listeners. Maybe (laughs) you need to clean your fucking ears out instead of waxing up your speakers. See, that's the the aggression coming back out. I've had a little bit to drink. I've had coffee, <laughs> Coke, and gin and tonic, so I'm a little fucking spaced out at the moment here. Wow. But, um, but yeah, fuckers. <laughs> Skype's hard. Maybe next <laughs> week we should do a Google Hangout. It's hard out there for a Skyper. 
You don't yeah, even let's, know. Let's do a Google Hangout next time, and people could be leaving live comments and all that shit, and people could see our pretty faces. Damn. And I'll do my Edwidge hair. Yeah, I'm gonna have. To, I was gonna say I'll have to actually dress up for that one. I, mean, I don't even know how that works. I've never done it's, that. It's the before. big episode thirty-nine. We can't. Oh, <laughs> we can't fuck things up like that. Can't let it's that one pass. It's just like this, but it's on video, and people could comment and watch live, and then we'll just rip the audio and throw it up, and um, we have a fucking show. But could it be a video cast? No. Yeah. People could watch it or listen. There will be a lot of no, throwing I mean, up uh, if they watch it. Is it possible that the uh, that the video could be part of the whatever is eventually available as a download? Or is that just the audio? Um, we could put the video on our website. So true, true. if people want to visit our site, they could either watch us love this stuff or they could just <laughs> listen to us loving it from their sticky ass earbuds. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Uh, so maybe we'll try that just to see if it works better than Skype. So if they say they can't see us on video, are you going to tell them to clean their fucking glasses? No, <laughs> I'm going to say... Turn the brightness on on your fucking computer, you fucking weirdo bat cave living motherfucker. <laughs> Just don't make anyone cry. I'm not gonna make anyone cry. People will be able to see us. It's yeah. it's a it's a it's a proven thing. And just so you know, there's just as much fuck ups on Google Hangouts. Oh, I so know. it'll be fine. <laughs> you you just have to install the Google Hangout thing. And it takes like thirty seconds tops, and um, and it, it switches camera all by itself. It's technology. It's fucking wow. Google. I like technology. Yeah. So it, it should be fun. Sometimes it should be really fun to do a video cast of "Don't Torture a Duckling," so you could see the look of disgust on my face. I can. I can hear it. I can hear the disgust dripping. I don't know. I've been staying away from that movie longer than airplanes have had wings. Okay. So we'll see what happens. Have you seen it ever? Or I have not. I I heard what it was about and I just was not interested. Oh, okay. This is going to be a very, very exciting trip. For this guy. So, if you're like me and you have two thumbs, why don't you run over to iTunes and leave us a review? That's all you need, it actually. Should... You actually only need yeah. one thumb. Yeah, I mean, if you let's have a pointer finger because typing with a thumb is kind of difficult. I've tried it. Okay. Um. So, five stars is the common thing to put. Yes. So be common. Not it's actually common the, I think it's actually the only option, right? The five yeah, stars? I think so. I think it's called a... No, that's a four star. See, I don't even know what it's called. You actually so, give it five stars if you hate the show. 
And five stars if you love it. Ship. Yeah. And or if, if you're indifferent. Kind of defense, exactly. Yeah. I think Still five. five stars. Yeah. And we'll just be able okay. to tell by the the color of the stars. It's a slightly darker shade of yellow. Yeah. So now that we've done that, um, I guess, do you have a trailer for don't, don't, fuck. Do you have a trailer for the duck whispers, Chris? The duck whispers? Yeah. No, I don't. And uh, that's primarily because Eric is recording. Okay. Well, I'll throw on a trailer at the end of this malarkey here. And until next time, everyone, ciao, ciao. Ciao, ciao. Ciao, ciao. And we apologize in advance. For what? <laughs> Thirteen devils enter someone's mouth, and he kills. Who? Who does the killing? say she's your most devout parishioner. I know. In fact, it's only since she arrived here that funny things have been going on. What do you mean? Nothing. It's just sometimes you get suspicious of everyone. I'll break you! Which would you prefer? A kiss or money? If you want, I'll carry the child. Ugh! <laughs>